All right, we've all seen these signs before. Let me show you the first picture. Here's the first picture. Do not feed the bear, right? We've all seen those, and yet we know in Gatlinburg every year, somebody decides to throw the Kentucky Fried Chicken a little too close so they can get a better picture, and the bear eats them, right, every year. Next picture, we've seen this in Florida. Don't feed the alligators. Isn't that a cool picture? Unless you're the fish, but it's a cool picture. Um, So we get this. Now, we all feed something in our lives. And today I want to talk about you either feed yourself with fear or you feed yourself with faith. Everybody in the room does. When there's a problem that comes up, you feed yourself either with fear or with faith. Say fear. Fear. Say faith. Faith. Say fear. Fear. Say faith. faith. All right, here's our key verse for today. We have a key verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1. That's our book for this week. There's, there's download the app. There's scriptures to read all week long. But here's our key verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, let's read it out loud. Ready? Here we go. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Ladies only. Here we go. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying, Your fears did not come from your heavenly Father. When you were conceived, when you were first born, God did not place fear inside of you. You've learned fear. You learned to be afraid of heights. You learned to be afraid of loud noises. You learned to be afraid of falling. But fear did not and does not come from your heavenly Father. God did not give you a spirit of fear. Everybody in the room, every time there's a challenge, every time there's an issue, every time there's a problem, you will feed it with fear or you will feed it with faith. But God didn't give you that. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. We're going to talk about this verse today. Rather, He gave us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Now, here's what caught my attention. What caught my attention about that verse is the guy who's writing this is on death row. It's Paul. And Paul's actually in a Roman prison captured by Nero. And Nero is the most notorious Roman emperor who ever lived. Nero makes the late Fidel Castro look like a choir boy. Okay? Nero was bad. Bad to the bone. And he is on death row and he's not afraid. He's not going to feed his fears. So let me ask you this question as we get started. Which way do you lean? Do you lean toward fear? Are you leaning? Or do you lean toward faith every time there is a challenge that comes up? Well, not only was he on death row, and so there were some great political issues at stake, But he also talks about some personal issues. Look at the next two verses. He says this. He says, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Fragilis and Hermogenes. In other words, I got got some personal problems. These people were with me. They've deserted me. Then he talks about some metal worker. This is kind of cool. Alexander the metal worker. He says this. You know, I'm sorry, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. I don't know who he is. But it's somebody that was against Paul. 
He did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Here's a guy who's on death row, tremendous personal problems, and yet he says to, to Timothy, Timothy, just remember this. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Spear, fear cannot drive you. Fear cannot be that which causes you to make all your decisions. You can't live in fear. God has given you power and love and a sound mind. That's how God wants you to live. And so what Paul does to Timothy is he reminds him of his amazing heritage, his spiritual faith. Now, again, maybe you're unchurched, maybe you've not been to church, but I would bet, I would bet, even if you haven't gone to church much in your life, I would guess somebody in your family is a spiritual hero, is a spiritual giant, and somebody's been praying for you a great-grandfather, a great-grandmother, some sweet aunt, somebody in the past has been praying for you. And so what Paul does next is, even though there's a lot of reasons to be scared to death, he's telling Timothy, let's go back to your roots. Let's go back to those people who had great faith. And so he says this, this next verse, chapter 2, verse uh, 1, verse 5. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandma, grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, this now lives in you also. And I love this, because there's a lot of reasons to be scared. But Timothy, you come from spiritual roots. Timothy, you have a spiritual heritage. Timothy, there are people in your family who have got a great amount of faith and courage. Draw back from them. Reach back and touch that and go forward with the fears and the problems that you have around you. So let me ask this question. Well, what, what do we do with our fears? Well, what do we do with them? Well, I don't think we can ignore, ignore them. And I don't think we can stick our head in the sand. But let me say this to you. If you feed your fears, your fears will grow. Right? If you feed them, if you feed your fears, fears don't get smaller. You feed those fears, fears just get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I've quit watching the news after uh, 8 o'clock at night, okay? Because the news people are professional fear growers. That's their job. They grow fear. They prepare the soil of fear. They sow seeds of fear. They reap out, they reap a harvest of fear. Their goal is to hook you so you're scared to death, so you've got to watch them, so they'll tell you what to do next. They're professional fear growers. You know, when you begin to think about all the problems that take place in life, you feed those fears, and, and those fears grow. Oh my gosh, my, my kid got a C in math. Well, how old's your kid? Seven. Okay. Well, he'll fail college algebra. Really? He's just a little boy that doesn't want to sit still. I get that. I've been there. I was that. Or your daughter didn't start a soccer game, and you're all worried she's not going to get a college scholarship in soccer. Really? Well, maybe the coach had a more bigger plan. He wanted to start a kid that was less fortunate. Your car makes a funny noise. 
It's three years old. Oh, my goodness, the transmission's going out. No, you backed over a limb, and the limb snapped, and you thought it was the transmission. I mean, some of you have family members that make coffee nervous. (laughs) You do. And so every time there is a challenge or there is an issue, are you going to feed the fears are you going to feed the faith? Well, here's what Paul's trying to say to Timothy. Look at the next couple of verses. He says this. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. There will be problems. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy, now look at this, how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. Now, what does that mean? That means that Lois and Eunice, whichever one was a grandmother, which one was a grandmother? Lois, thank you. I I knew that. I forgot. Lois and and Eunice, they were reading Scriptures as as in the womb. They were reading scriptures when when he was a little boy. Now, just think about that, ladies. If you're pregnant this morning, in other words, congratulations, um, but why wouldn't you be reading scriptures to your child? Child's not even born yet. Or when that baby's just born and just new and one years old and two years old and three years old and four years old, how from infancy you had Lois and Eunice reading scripture into you. And what Scripture does, Scripture builds your faith. My goodness, how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through your faith in Jesus Christ. These are two good Jewish boys. Paul's a good Jewish boy, and Timothy's a good Jewish boy. They're great. And so they knew the stories, and they knew all those stories of faith. And the story of getting the land and going into the land, I mean, we read about those stories. They experience those events. And so they cross the Red Sea, and about a year after crossing the Red Sea, God says to them, I'm giving you the land. The land is yours. Go in and take possession of the land. And so we know this story, and these two Jewish boys know the story better than we do. So 12 guys get selected. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 13. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving you. Look at that. I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And we know this story. 12 guys go in. And two guys say, yep, there's giants. Yep, there's fortified walls. Yes, there's great shields and great swords and great spears. But our God is able. Our God has given us the land. Yeah, we're scared. Yes, we're afraid. Yes, we see it. But our God is able. And 10 guys go, are you kidding me? And 10 guys bred fear into two or three million people. It's contagious. Feed fear, fear grows. And these 10 guys are going, well, think about our women. And think about our children. And think about our farms and our fields and think about our future. And 10 men convinced two or three million people not to do what God said you're supposed to do. It's an amazing story. 
But what's so interesting is, even if you're, and you wouldn't be here today if you're a Christmas and Easter only attender, but even if you're a Christmas and Easter attender, you've heard the names of Joshua and you've heard the names of Caleb, but none of us in this room could even name one of the 10 guys who didn't have any faith. But we can all recognize Joshua and we all know who Caleb is because he had great faith. So what are we going to do? with our fears. What are we going to do to feed our amazing faith? Well, let's come back to our verse, because it's a great verse, and it's a verse that I would encourage you to memorize. I'd encourage you to put it on your phone. I'd encourage you to, put, encourage you to write it down, put it on your bathroom mirror. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, God has not given you, me, us, a spirit of fear. Now, this is actually from the King James translation. We don't use King James a whole lot, but the King James translation actually gets this better than I think anybody else. Um, the NIV uses the word timidity. The, the Greek word is fear, just absolute fear. And so God's not given us a spirit of fear. You have any problems this morning? That was a question. Yeah. <laughs> Any pro- uh, maybe not. Turn to the person beside you and say, um, I have some problems. Turn to the person beside you and say, I have some problems. Turn to the other side and say, you are a problem. No, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a, bad, that's a mistake. All right? Now I got fear what I'm going to do, all right? So everybody in the room, I, I don't know all your problems. There's health problems. There's relational problems. There's vocational problems. There's all kinds of problems. We're always going to have problems. We're never going to be able to control a life without problems. You're never going to be able to. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. So what did he give us? Well, let's look at these three different concepts. Power, love, and a sound mind. Let's talk about these for just a couple minutes. Why did God give you power? Why does he have have that Holy Spirit inside of you to give you power because you have a mission. He has a purpose for you. And what the Holy Spirit now does inside of you is he gives you breakthroughs. You begin to grow. You begin to overcome some of those childhood insecurities and some of those childhood anger issues and some of those childhood things that took place in your life. And he's given you a spirit of power. And the spirit of power then helps you to live in faith. Yes, you recognize your giants. Yes, you recognize the fortified walls. Yes, you recognize the spears and the sword of the enemy. But God has given me and you and all the people who are believers His Holy Spirit so that inside of you, you will live your mission. And when you're living your mission, you're you're not tormented. Let's talk about the word sound mind for just a minute. The people who live in fear are tormented. And you feed that bear and you feed that alligator and you feed them enough and you get too close to them and eventually that alligator and that bear reaches out, snags you, grabs you, pulls you in and eats you. And fear has eaten your peace of mind. And fear 
has kept you from accomplishing your mission. God has an incredible mission for every boy, every girl, every man, every woman. God has appointed you for greatness, not for mediocrity. God has appointed, it's not how great you are, it's how great He is inside of you. And that's where the soundness of mind comes. People who are tormented are the people who live in fear, live in fear, live in fear. I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now, people who are of sound mind, they recognize issues. They recognize problems. They just don't hang out there. It's not where they camp. It's not where they dwell. And the word that just like links all this together is the word love. It's no coincidence. It's, it's, right in the, it's sandwiched in between these. Power and a sound mind always are wrapped in love. And love just holds all that together. So your mission is in love. Your decisions are in love. And it results in the soundness of your mind. Now, if you wake up every day, with anxiety, and you're overcome with anxiety. You go to bed with anxiety, you wake up with anxiety. I'm going to suggest you're feeding the wrong thing. You're going to feed the fear, and the fear will eventually bite you. But if you feed the faith, you feed faith, you feed faith, you feed faith, it will eventually set you free. So God's not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. That, that's what I want. Do you want that? That's what I want right there. I want that sound mind. I want to have a sounder mind today than yesterday. Danita wants me to have that too. But I want to have a sounder mind tomorrow than I did today. We want the soundness, the soundness of our mind. And it only comes when you feed your faith. What a great opportunity we have. And that's why we're family. And that's why we're church. And that's why we encourage you to read the Bible. That's why we encourage you to pray. That's why we encourage you to have a, a connect group. That's why we encourage you to worship together. All that increases your faith. So here, here's where you're going to land. Every time a challenge comes up, this is where you'll land. Everybody lands in the same place. You're going to land on your problems or you're going to land on the promises of God. Everybody in the room lands on one of two places. The challenge comes up, an issue, a health issue, vocational issue, relational issue. Something comes up, and we talk about the problems, or we land on the promises of God. Let me give you a couple of examples. I just don't have enough money. That might be a problem, okay? But the promises of God are, my God will supply all of your riches according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians talks about how God will supply all of your needs. He'll supply all of your needs. Well, I'm alone. Okay, that's a problem. But God's word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I have messed up. That's a problem. But God's word said, says, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm just struggling with life. God's word says, I will always lead you into victory. I love that verse. God promises to lead us to amazing victory. So what do we do? Well, I want to give you eight suggestions 
And you don't have to do all eight of them. Pick one of these. But let's downsize. First of all, let's downsize our fears. And if you're a note taker, you want to fill in some blanks, I'm going to give you eight suggestions on how to downsize your fears. Number one, get comfortable with fears. What? Yeah, get comfortable. You're going to have fears today, and you're going to have fears tomorrow. Might as well just get comfortable with it, because until Jesus comes again, you're going to have it in this world, right? Everybody agree with that? All right. Jesus says in this world you'll have trials and tribulations. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Number two, I, I would spend 10% on the issue, but 90% on the promises. You can't ignore the problems. That would be foolish. That would not be great leadership. Great leadership is you've got to acknowledge that there's a problem. But poor leadership focuses on the problem rather than on the promises. And I would spend 90% on what the promises in God's Word teach you about whatever challenge that you're facing. Number three, I would never dwell on scarcity, but I would live and pray in abundance. I didn't understand that for a long time. I grew up in a Midwestern, middle-class home and and grandparents and, and friends and all my culture, it was just kind of a hunker-down mentality, just, just kind of a scarcity mentality, no matter that we had lots of food, just kind of, just kind of getting by. And then I began to realize that, that our Father is not a Father of scarcity. Our Father is a, is a Father of, of, of abundance. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And so there's, there's not a scarcity with our heavenly Father. There's an abundance with the riches and the treasures of God. Here's another suggestion. Revisit your victories. Think about the times in your life where you had a great challenge, but you met it. You hit it head on with the Word of God and the will of God. And you had people praying for you. Re- revisit how God pulled through. Did, did God ever not pull through for you with His good sovereign will? Here's another suggestion. is Learn the victories of trustworthy family and friends. I mean, they're, they're, the, I guess the key word there is trustworthy. But you got, you got family and you got friends who've had great spiritual victories. And, and, and ask Grandma. Grandma, did you ever have trouble in your marriage? Hey, Grandpa, did you ever have trouble with your work? Hey, Aunt so was Aunt Sally, was there ever a time when you were just scared to death you were going to be whatever the rest of your life? And listen to their stories. And, and, and again, it's that grandmother Lois and that mother Eunice. They, it's the faith of the, of the people from the past who share with you and enhance your faith and enhance your story. Downsize your fears. Here's another one. I'd remove fearful people from your life. Now, if this is your spouse, this is a problem. Okay? I, I, that's not much you can do about that. I don't mean remove your spouse. You can turn the news off and you can increase their faith, but, but I, I wouldn't have, in my inner circle, I do not have anybody who operates on fear before they operate 
on faith. I don't have anybody in my inner circle. I, I wouldn't do it because I don't want to feed that. And in my life, I'm not much different than you. I have challenges and things that scare me to death. I have larger-than-life challenges just like you do. And I refuse to feed those fears because our God is faithful and our God is powerful and our God rules and reigns inside of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. So I would remove all of those fearful people from your life. And I would do this, lastly. I would create a network of great people. I would create this network of great, I got, I got two more, I think. Create a, a network of great people uh, who have great faith. And that's one of the things that church has, does. And then I would feed my faith daily. I would feed it. How do you feed it? The Word of God. I love listening to the Bible on my phone. When I'm going somewhere, I just turn the phone on in my car. A little car play is awesome. Bluetooth is awesome. Let, let the Scriptures feed you. I go to bed. We go to bed. Denny and I do. Sometimes with the Psalms on or sometimes the Proverbs. Let the Word of God feed you. Feed your faith. Now, here's what you already know. So pick one of those. Pick one of those that you're going to apply. But here's what you already know. You already know that this works. Because every time you have fed your fears, you've been more anxious. Feeding your fears does not alleviate your fears. Feeding your fears grows your fears. But every time you step forward in faith, every time you have trusted your Heavenly Father, you know that you know that you know that your God is able to deliver you and strengthen you. And you already know that because you quit that unhealthy job. You took a step of faith. You, you quit that unhealthy relationship. You stayed in that marriage that was uncomfortable for four or five years. You stayed in that marriage, and you know that that was the right thing to do. You went off to college, and you were scared to death, but you went off to college, and you got an education, and God's leveraging that. You know that God is faithful. You know that he is. You've already been there. So here's what he says to us in Timothy. He gives us some great ways for us to feed our, our faith. He says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. But the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully... See, there's the power. There's the power. There's the message. See, the Lord stood at my side. 
The Lord gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. Hello. Yep. Fully proclaimed. And all the Gentiles I'm all here. And I was delivered. I was even delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and forever. That's written by a man on death row. That's written by a man who's going to be beheaded in AD 67. That's written by a man who's got personal problems, political problems, but his faith is larger than life, and he has a sound mind. I think Jesus was afraid. I'm not sure that he was afraid of the nails, and I'm not sure that he was afraid of the crown of thorns to be jammed on his head. I'm not sure that, that Christ was afraid of the pain. But I know, I know, he was scared to death to be separated from his father. And he was terrified to have sin. He'd never had sin. He never knew sin. And all of a sudden, all of your sins, past, present, and future, were about to be heaped upon Christ. And Jesus in the garden, he said, Father, please take this cup from me. Please take this from me. He was scared. He was afraid. But his faith was not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, God, but yours be done. And the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ is exemplary for each and every one of us in this room. So as we close this service in just a minute, if you, we always give you a chance to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Jesus Christ is our Savior, our King. And if you've never confessed Christ, there'll be some prayer partners down here in just a minute that will help you with that. But also today, what are you going to do with this? What will you put in place as a result of this message? And I want to encourage you today to maybe come down front or to pray where you are with one of our prayer partners. You know what? I'm struggling with my fears. Fears, I'm feeding the fears. I'm feeding the fears. I'm feeding the fears. Maybe you want some special prayer today with somebody who can help you and pray for you that you will feed your faith. Well, I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down. I'm going to ask you to stand up at this time, and I'll close this in prayer. If you would and you want to pray out at the out here on the site where the wedding chapel is going to go, go out to the lobby, sign up there at the kiosk in that far corner, sign up for a 30-minute slot, and we'll pray for the great ministry that God's going to do and take place. Okay, let's pray together. You are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. We so admire your faith, and we cling to the cross. And we cling to the power of the resurrection. And we cling to the resurrected Jesus. And we look to you. In your name we pray. Amen.